It is. It is the end of the preseason week. Is that a good name for it or just NFL week one? How about NFL week one, babe? We made it. I know. God, it's like we're out of shopping. Well, I don't dude. I don't know how to hotel right now. The neighbors are probably going to be a little uneasy after this uh, recording here because I am pumped up. I'm ready to pod. Welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. You have Kevin and Raleigh. And boy, oh boy, do we have a week one here. Oh uh, let boy. me ask you opinion on something. People are I, I saw people are now calling it the Baker Bowl. What do we think about that? Uh because it kind of goes both ways. Like it's I like the alliteration, but yeah, I, I, I kind of like the revenge game, because then the revenge game kind of implies say like revenge from both teams' perspective. That's why I think Baker Bowl goes both ways, like for him and us, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't play against Baker. This, he's trying to get. Yeah, I got it. Like we're we're a Browns podcast. We're also Baker fans. Um, I hate how he was ran out of town. Like or why it's like, dude, the one decent quarterback we've had in plural decades. It's like how Uh-oh. does it? How does it? Baker, bro. How does it? I, I know. I hate that goddamn term. It's so divisive. And it's like, dude, it's okay to support your guy when he's on the team. It's also okay to be upset that he's left. It's also okay to be upset with yeah, so many different things, but I'm like, I want to win, but I want him to play well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what's no, the? No, I mean, I, I think just the overall. I think a majority of Browns fans are, and we've said on this podcast many times, we appreciate everything Baker did uh, for the four years. You know, we got a playoff win that game against the Jets. I mean, we had a lot of great moments with Baker. Uh, he did a lot for this franchise, this city. We'll always remember that. Appreciate that. He's got a very important spot in Brown's history. Um, but I, and again, I, I do hope he does great the rest of his career. I hope he does big things. Um, just not week one against us because I'm a Browns fan. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. But I just feel like it's some kind of a, I was thinking of if there's any type of movie analogy to this, but Karate Kid or something. You're, you're, in the you're new correct, one where it's though. Like, where it's like you're, it's like you're about to get into a fist fight with your mom's 17th husband, but he was the one guy that actually gave a shit and showed up to your baseball games. There's no movie where that occurs that specifically, but it's just, I don't know. Then it's our, of course it's our opener. And I'm like, well, statistically we're going to lose this because it's the first game of the season. And I just don't yeah. want to hear about any stupid narratives. And I don't know. So my anxiety, I'm excited but I'm also like excited for it to just the season to start and be fun. I know I'm go- Yeah. I'm, I'm going to the game and I'm like, okay, well that trip, me and the guys are like one in nine now. Um, shout out the one time we won in 2014 at Tennessee, 
but we went to the opener last year. You were there against Kansas City, and it's a why did we go to Kansas City? Yeah, cracked three ribs Super that day. So dumb. Uh, so, yeah, excited for the season to start. Excited to stop talking about speculation and just see what these guys have. On that's the, the thing. And that's why, you know, we can say you can have all the hot takes you want. You can make all the predictions you want because no one has a clue what's going to happen with any team. It's week one. We're there. We made it. Uh, Browns, Carolina, Browns versus Baker, all sorts of storylines and headlines. We're bringing on a Panthers podcaster here momentarily to help break it down. Julian Council, who is the host of Locked On Panthers podcast, to give us all the behind the scenes stuff that Cleveland folks don't read or know about because we don't follow the Panthers. Um, you guys that have been here for this is our fourth season. By the way, I'm this is episode one of season four. Oh, is it really? We made it. Yeah, we're about to hit 200 episodes, so holla at your boys. Oh. Uh, yeah. In terms of Sunday's game, a few things I want to see, a few things that I think are paramount to us winning this game. Number one, first and foremost, is going to be this offensive line and what happens with right tackle. Is Jack Conklin going to be playing or not? I know we have depth there, but it, it's a bit of a drop from Jack Conklin down to the reserves. Um, we haven't seen – I'm not worried about – the run game. I would just love to see Chubb and Kareem out there at the same time. Um, Najoku, it's showtime, baby. You got that. You got paid. You got the bag. We've had some, some good years, some average years. We need you, man. Let's do this. Uh, the rest of the receiving core, uh, obviously Amari Cooper, his performances speak for themselves. Um, it remains to be seen the rest of them. That is something that we have to have. Just be, we got to have a few plays from you guys. Um, Really hoping Anthony Schwartz can get over yeah. what is clear. It looks like the yips. He has doesn't yeah. have a whole lot of footage of him catching in traffic, but it's like he was brought onto this team as a developmental player with incredible speed. And I just feel like you, you said this um, when we watched the Chicago preseason game last week, which was kind of ugly, but it's preseason, whatever. You predicted uh, that they were going to be throwing to Schwartz a lot. Was that something that you heard or was that you? being a genius be honest no that's a lot of people uh radio twitter people are saying do not be surprised to see them go after schwartz a lot right from the jump to get that confidence up for him and but we need jacoby just to be average to above average and we'll be okay um and then the defense obviously i think we're poised for an unbelievable year knock on wood from the defensive side of the ball these boys have now been together for a few years defensively we got to keep him in the pocket um obviously joe woods knows that all these guys know that um they know his strengths his weaknesses i know he put in some work this offseason with a new coach he's got a new coordinator ben mcadoo um who knows but i am only nervous and sick to my stomach over this game because of the history of this godforsaken franchise, especially week one, especially on the road. Um, and it just, there's just so many, it will be the longest week of our lives. If we lose this game on Sunday, you just said it's going to be the longest week of our lives. So if like, we lose. Yeah. Well, what you're saying is statistically, it's almost certainly going to be, the longest week of our lives for like eight different reasons. First game of the season, away game of the season, Baker revenge game of the season. And the fact that I'm going to an away game, I have like a 10% winning percent 
that's what people need to understand that are not from Cleveland is that this is nothing to do our our being kind of you know glass half empty on this right now. Nothing to do with the current boys on the team. We got some dogs on this roster. This roster is absurd. It's just our history. Like we've seen the script so many times. It's just all we know. And whenever so, we go into opening seasons, uh, like with a whole lot of optimism and we're just jacked, like this may be the best team of all time. The Browns disappoint us at like, they keep raising the bar of how low they can bring us. So I mm-hmm. think that going into this with like an uneasy feeling, that's probably, that's going to help us. Absolutely. Like, and so hey, I'm excited, dude. The national media, I see CBS, some of these people have us going like, I saw some weird predictions. I saw uh, six and 11, seven, a lot of, you know, national people are giving us really no chance. But to your point, remember Odell's first, second year, people were, the national people were saying, oh, this is a Super Bowl contending team. And then that didn't happen. So people that listen to the national people, they're going on it just for the fact that we have a second string quarterback in there. Yes, that is a huge factor, obviously. Um, but guys, we got, like I said, some dogs on this roster. Our roster is absurd for the second time I'm saying that. So I'm not, again, come Sunday, I'm screaming Super Bowl. I'm screaming undefeated because that's just what we do in Cleveland. Um, but I'm very tempered with my expectations for this season. We are now bringing on a very special guest, Mr. Julian Council. Uh, I will have his contact info and everything in the description of this episode. He is the host of the Locked on Panthers podcast, all things Carolina Panthers. Uh, he brings a wealth of knowledge about this team. And we're going to ask him a bunch of questions that a lot of people are asking and wanting to know. So here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a very special guest, Mr. Julian Council, who is the host of Locked on Panthers, the number one Carolina Panthers podcast on the Internet. Sir, thank you for joining us. And how are we doing? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I didn't know Browns fans were reviewing this as the offseason from hell. Like you've been in the news cycle, not <laughs> for a positive thing, but you do have a quarterback and Carolina's hoping they have one in Baker Mayfield, who, of course, and by- byproduct of Deshaun Watson being Cleveland Brown is Baker Mayfield's no longer there and he's here in Carolina. So excited to be here, excited for uh, what I've been dubbing the uh, rematch game or the revenge game of the century with Baker Mayfield. What are your thoughts on the Baker Bowl? Some people are calling it the Baker Bowl. I don't hate that. Baker Bowl? I, I haven't heard that one, so I like that. I heard that today, yeah. Um, so i just get into it. You guys, we traded uh, Baker Mayfield to you guys a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was too much of a surprise for you guys, at least on our side. We were thinking and, and looking for that, hearing about that all summer long. Um, Baker gets there. You guys had Sam Darnold last season. What? Just walk me through what, when, when Baker came in and what that did for the expectations for this season with you guys. Yeah, I was honestly uh, on vacation in uh, Hilton Head, <laughs> South Carolina on July 6th when the Panthers decided to trade for Baker Mayfield. I've been telling my listeners for weeks, like, y'all, it's going to happen. It's going to happen when I go on vacation. And I'm going to have to drop everything I'm doing so I can give you an emergency podcast about the Panthers doing something that they should have done night two of the draft, where honestly, to me, at least from my perspective, the Browns never had any leverage. I don't understand what exactly they thought they were going to get from Baker Mayfield, at least for, for him from a team. Like, they're going to end up getting that fourth-round pick because I, ex- I expect him to play 70% of the snaps. But they were always going to have to pay the bulk of his salary. Fortunate for Carolina, they were able to convince Baker to give up $3.5 million of his salary. Of course, it's still incentive laid him so he could possibly get that back if he hits certain benchmarks this season. But the minute 
not the minute, the second Baker Mayfield was announced to be coming here to Carolina, he was going to be the starting quarterback. There was no doubt in my mind. The Panthers did not spend the entirety of the offseason getting into Deshaun Watson sweepstake, calling about Russell Wilson, drafting a quarterback, at least thinking about taking one at six overall to trot Sam Darnold back out there week one against the Cleveland Browns. If Baker Mayfield, once he came to Carolina, was obviously going to be the starting quarterback for this team heading into the season. Julian, you mentioned that the Browns had no leverage with uh, trading Baker Mayfield, which I, I totally agree with. It was a seller's market, buyer's market, however you define who's who. Yeah. Um, what was the general consensus amongst the fans, amongst podcast hosts as far as getting? Were you guys jacked or were you like, okay, well, let's see where this goes. What, what's the mindset? Well, this is going to be the third season of Matt Rule, and it's going to be the third season that Panther fans are gearing up for a different quarterback. First year was Teddy Bridgewater. He was Teddy Bridgewater. For whatever reason, fans got mad as hell every week when Teddy failed to lead him down the field in the last minute of the game. Who was surprised by that? Then last year, people tried to talk themselves in Sam Darnold. I told him from day one, this dude is not good. And it turned out he was far worse than I expected he was going to be a year ago. So really, Panther fans are just excited to see someone who's not Sam Darnold and who's not Teddy Bridgewater, but really who's not Sam Darnold. And considering the situation in Cleveland that he entered in when I think the Browns were what, one in 31 under Hugh Jackson before he even got there. And for him to mm-hmm. win a playoff game, not just get to the playoffs, but win a playoff game. People are excited about the prospects that maybe Baker Mayfield can at least be an average quarterback. And with this defense and McCaffrey and some of these weapons, that might be just good enough for the Panthers to be right there in contention for a wild card spot this upcoming season. So I think people were excited because he's better than Darnold. But the real question here in Carolina is, can he be the guy? Because the owner, David Tepper, is not necessarily interested in just getting a quarterback who can get you the playoffs. He's interested in having a parade down, trade and try in uptown Charlotte. That's what he wants to know. And if Baker Mayfield is that guy, we'll see. I'm skeptical. I've always loved Baker, but it's hard for me to think after four years in Cleveland not wanting to keep him around that he's going to end up being that guy here in Carolina, but he certainly is an upgrade from the last two guys that they've had here the past two seasons. How hot is Matt Rule's seat down there? Um, and what is the addition of Ben McAdoo as the offensive coordinator this year, along with putting Baker in this assessment. equation for this this holy trinity here now? Um, what are the expectations? Because you're reading the tea leaves. Obviously, you're a million more times clued into this, but just reading some of the sure. headlines from down there. It looked like, you know, Baker came in. Everyone's like, let's see what's going to happen. And then the last couple of weeks, you know, some of the press conferences and some of just the headlines, it seems like people are kind of like, all right, we might have something here. Let's, let's go. We, there's some expectations here. So yeah. how hot is rule seed and what is McAdoo going to do? As far as McAdoo, like that's a Tom Coughlin hire. Like Matt Rule has long said his mentor is Tom Coughlin. He spends time with them in the offseason. He asked him questions plenty of times. And the reason why Ben McAdoo is here is because he is a Tom Coughlin approved OC. Like David Tepper reportedly, according to Jake Glazer, was saying that in order for Matt Rule to keep his job after that second year, when he got rid of Joe Brady, was to hire a rock star OC. Well, as soon as that report goes out there, there's no one who's going to sign up and hits their wagon to Matt Rule, who's going to be a rock star OC. I do think Ben McAdoo, having been a head coach in the NFL, that can help Matt Rule. He had a staff that did not have much NFL experience his first two years. Now he has Ben McAdoo, Steve Wilkes, two guys that have been head coaches in the NFL. Chris Tabers, a special teams coordinator, was an interim last year in Chicago with the Bears. So they have more experience. As far as Matt Rule's hot seat is, David Tepper, Rule, they talked about when they first met and that he was interviewing for the job, that this was going to be a five-year plan to get this team where they wanted to go. This isn't college football. 
this is the NFL. And maybe college football with the transfer portal and all that, you can win quicker than you could be in the past. But still, he does not have five years to win. If the Panthers go out there and they only win seven games this year, eight games, miss the playoffs, Matt Rule's going to get his ass fired. It's that simple. Like I don't care what David Tepper talks about, about a five-year, six-year plan, and Matt Rule putting out that Jay-Z quote a year ago. It's like, oh, it took Jay-Z seven years to become an overnight sensation. You ain't got seven years, buddy. If you don't win games this season, you're going to get the hell out of town, and you're going right back to college. Like They had the hashtag last year. Apparently, um, one of the teams was saying, yeah, it was hashtag send Rule back to school. Like That's what the Carolina fan base is going to nice. be saying if he's not winning games is during the fall year of the season. I just had my fantasy draft last night. Um, I had the first overall pick, uh, breaking it down between McCaffrey and Taylor. I chickened out and went with Taylor, um, even though it is a 0.5 PPR league. Health-wise, how's he looking? What's the expectations of him? Were any of his injuries, could that be attributed to running him into the ground, which I'm not saying they necessarily did, but from an outsider who has no clue about the Panthers, uh, tell for those of you, Raleigh's internet's going in and out. Uh, talking about Christian McCaffrey, yeah, no, Christian McCaffrey. yeah, yeah, no, I heard him, I heard him. Um, yeah, well, first off, you're a coward for not taking McCaffrey. Uh, he's the best <laughs> running back in the league when he's healthy, and also if you have a PPR league, like. Come on, man. You got to take the game as a pass catcher. And last time he was healthy in 2019 for a full season, had a thousand thousand season. Only two other times it's happened. Marshall Falk is in the Hall of Fame and Roger Craig, who probably should be in the Hall of Fame. McCaffrey's looking healthy. He looked healthy this time last year. He looked healthy this time the year before that. Like he's going, he's still in the best shape of his life. Yada, yada, yada. We've heard it all before. For me personally, I don't have a problem with how the Carolina Panthers have utilized Christian McCaffrey. If there's any overutilization of him it's been the fact that they've had really bad quarterback play like Kyle Allen was over on Christian McCaffrey last year Sam Darnold through the first three three games was the same way like that has been the problem I think with Christian McCaffrey taking as many hits and getting as many touches like it's also just bad luck week two back in 2020 against Tampa Bay he got his ankle rolled up on that happens every week, whether you are, you can get an interception as a DB and can, someone can tack you like that from behind and you're going to be out for four or five, maybe even eight weeks. And then he also had, when he came back, he had his shoulder driven into the ground. That happens to anybody, a quarterback and that can happen to him, a running back wide receiver does not matter. Any ball carrier that can happen to you when playing, he's only had one kind of soft tissue muscle injury. That was week three last year short week, which is what McCaffrey attributed it to Thursday night football to when he had the issues. He had 58 touches in the first two weeks combined against the Jets and the Saints. And he thinks that that led to him getting injured. The fact that not he had that many touches, but the quick turnaround. So to me, it's really just been bad luck. And I expect that he's going to get some better injury luck this year. And if that's the case, the expectation should be over a thousand yards rushing and in probably 500, 600 yards receiving, which would, I think, Offer more balance to Carolina. He should not have another thousand yard receiving season like yeah, back in 2019. They need to spread the love around some of these other wide receivers, not be over reliant on Christian McCaffrey. But if he's healthy, which I think it will be, he's going to be one of the best running backs in the league. And I think he's going to show people again why he probably is the best running back in the league when he's healthy. And I think it's probably one of the top candidates for him in the NFL comeback player of the year. So his ceiling is best running back on the planet. That's no question. I mean, he's he's the yeah. real deal. He's fun to watch. He's it, just one of the most dynamic runners I've ever seen with a football. Um, but our boy Nick Chubb also has a very similar ceiling. Um, he could also be the best running back in the league, and it all depends on, you know, how the ball bounces. Um, 
so obviously he's got a new quarterback this year and Baker Mayfield. Baker's used to working with some very good running backs. Baker had a very good offensive line the last couple well, last year. We kind of had some injuries the year before is the best in the league for run and pass. What is the state of the line? I know you guys just drafted that rookie. Yeah. Um, how's it looking for Christian this year? Yeah, they're going to have an opportunity this time. And that's the thing about Sam Darnold last year. Uh, all the excuse makers, I'm not making excuses for Sam Darnold. Like, the dude's been terrible. Uh, you got to be able to overcome <laughs> it at some point in time. Like, at what point is it your fault that you're not playing well? The offensive line really didn't help him out last season. And the offensive line, particularly at left tackle, has been a literal revolving door at the position, whether it's been um, actually guys leaving and actually a player is basically doing the whole ole and being a turnstile defenders in the National Football League since Jordan Gross retired. Yeah, it's it's been bad. And they finally addressed that with the sixth overall pick in Iki Kwanu at NC State. He's a local kid, played high school football here in Charlotte. So that helps with the fan base. He's someone who grew up going to Panthers games and remembers the 2015 NFC title game and being in the stands when Cam Newton at offense rolled all, all through Arizona to go to the Super Bowl in that 2015 season. But he's a newcomer, Brady Christensen, who they drafted in the third round last year at a BYU, someone that fans were just begging the Panthers to play at left tackle a year ago when Cam Irving was the main starter at that position group. So he's going to be on the left side. We with know Cam. Yeah, and Cam's not good, but he can be a good – He's the spot that Cam Irving's in now is a swing tackle. You can work with that, and that's why I look at the Panthers' offensive line depth. I appreciate that him and Pat Elfline, two starters, and even Michael Jordan, two starters from – or three starters from a year ago, are now backups. They brought in Bradley Bozeman from Baltimore – he should be good to go this week. Not quite sure whether he's going to start or not. He had an ankle injury. He's back for week one. Pat Elfine might get to start. And if that's the case, congratulations, Cleveland Browns, because that guy cannot play at a high level. And in that right guard, they got Austin Corbett, who's fresh off a Super Bowl win. We know Los him, Angeles. too. Yeah, know so, <laughs> and, and Corbett's solid player. So they got four new starters on the offensive line. They project to be much better than what they were last season. And they can't be any worse, really, than what they were a year ago. So I think Baker will have an opportunity when he's dropped back to the pass game. And really, uh, running the ball hasn't been an issue for Carolina. Like, McCaffrey's great, but also the offensive line has been able to get downhill. It's been pass protection that's been really their issue the last pretty much decade. Um, fun fact, I went to high school with Elfline's wife. So okay. Shout out, he's the son-in-law of borderline hall of fame left tackle for the redskins jim lachey ohio state legend we hear the names obviously baker mayfield we hear the name uh christian mccaffrey obviously we hear robbie anderson those are kind of the three big brand names that we in cleveland hear coming out of the carolina panthers world who else on this offense are we going to be seeing uh making some moves or, or hoping to make some moves here on sunday well robbie anderson's not the brand name at wide receiver it's dj moore and that kind of highlights what I'm going to say now that he's one of the most like undervalued underrated receivers in the league. Like the last couple of seasons, he's had over 1200 yards receiving and the likes of uh, the first Cam Newton before his shoulder fell apart. Cam Newton, we saw last fall, uh, PJ Walker, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Sam Darnold. Those are not good quarterbacks. And, you know, Cam was until he felt his shoulder fell apart back in that 2018 season, but he's pretty much had a drag at the position and he's been able to make a ton of plays. So he's someone who is going to garner, I'm sure all the attention of the Cleveland defense, as far as wide out, spread out wide and Terrace Marshall, he's been kind of banged up with a soft tissue hamstring injury throughout the preseason. He came into camp as the guy who's going to be the number three wide receiver behind DJ and Robbie Anderson. 
I feel like he has probably the second most talent in this wide receiver group right behind DJ Moore, and he can make some plays. Shai Smith had a really good training camp as well. They brought in LaVisca Chenault. Um, not quite sure why. I feel like they were hmm. they're kind of good at the receiver, and the idea of, oh, he can run the football. Why would you hand him the ball off when you have Christian McCaffrey? You're taking plays out of your – you're taking the ball out of the hands of one of your best players. So, I mean, the, the wide receiver – like the offensive league, they have, they have options at wide receiver. It's just – Will they get consistency out of anyone not named DJ Moore this upcoming season? Which was the receiver that threw Baker under the bus on Instagram in the comment section? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So it was Robbie Anderson. Robbie. That's why I say he's the big yeah, brand yeah. name in Cleveland because everyone knows him from that. Yeah. And it's 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 like so the context of it was like an Instagram post. I guess it was like, oh, hey, would you all like Baker in Carolina? And he just said, nah. And then he went and the media asked him about it, and he's later on goes and blames the media for like, oh, you're the ones who made us big things. Like you didn't have to comment on that. So you're the one who made it a thing anyways. Um, kind of a weird dude, but whatever. Robbie Anderson basically said he was trying to stick up for his quarterback and Sam Darnold. And he went on the I am athlete podcast as well and talked about how Sam's development in New York was all effed up with the jets and how Sam really never got a chance there. So I, possibly Robbie actually was doing that. But I saw Robbie Anderson yelling at Sam Darnold on the sideline last year and his body language and his overall demeanor and him telling Sam Darnold to tighten up. I don't think he was necessarily excited about Sam. And I also don't look at it as um, him not being a fan of Baker Mayfield coming in here. I think it was just more like, nah, like why don't we give Sam another opportunity possibly? But I, I don't know. It's it, it lacked context as far as like him just saying, nah, it's like, hey, maybe explain yourself more instead of letting it fester for like two months. I thought it was no with a like five O's. <laughs> <laughs> like he was def- anyway. It could be social, that. I, I, social it's been media so long can, now. Social media only has the ability to destroy athletes, um, but it is what it is. Uh, for those of us that are going to Charlotte for this upcoming game, shout out me. Also, tickets are insanely expensive. Like yeah, probably because uh, there's already a bunch of people from Ohio who have already taken over my beautiful city. Yeah, we got a big presence in. I mean, you talk about Hilton Head. I know that's not North Carolina, but a lot of Ohio people in Hilton Head, a lot of Ohio people in Charlotte. Yeah, Ohioans yeah. always go down like to the South Carolina beaches. So I, I, yeah. do know, I know that from like and Myrtle Beach as well. But yeah, I mean, a city like we have. I'm trying to think what Ohio business is like. There's like the Piata Italian street food thing that just started opening up here, and apparently it's from Ohio. We got a bunch of stuff from Ohio that just keeps moving down here, including the people. And it's kind of like, it's just, I've met so many people in my life who are from Ohio, but none of them live in Ohio anymore. And I'm just like kind of confused. Uh, yeah. You're talking to two guys that live in Chicago. So totally get that. <laughs> At least you still live in the Midwest. At least you live in the Midwest. And pose like I'm in Austin south. right now, but yeah. Yeah. I can tell you're in a hotel. Bachelor party got going on. Well, it's Tuesday. So I wish down not. here for work all week. I love yeah. Austin, so I don't care what I'm down here for. It's always good to come down here. Always sick. up Rainy Street, not a bad place to be. Do you have never, any sick never. tailgate recommendations? Bar recommendations? Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. folks going thousands down there. of us that are traveling. Oh, you see, it's hard. You know, I'm the native. I want to give you the good spots. Yeah, I'll give you the good spots. <laughs> um, South End is right adjacent to Uptown Charlotte. A bunch of breweries there, a bunch of good restaurants. Like I would tell you to go to any of the breweries in that area. Uh, tailgating wise, like there's plenty of lots by the stadium, but really probably just hit up some of the bars that are nearby. And it's still really in that South End. Like South End is the area you probably want to be in if you're a Browns fan traveling to Charlotte this weekend. Like um, Sycamore Brewing is going to be a place that's going to be pretty packed, pretty popping. Um, Suffolk Punch. 
Good Brewery, Wooden Robot. They also have a new place that's that's closer to the stadium. Uh, it used to be a different brewery, but it's a new brewery, and it's called um, Hopfly. Actually, really good. And it's like right in like ears. It's like a mile, not half, not even a mile, half mile down the road from the stadium. So South End, if you're a Browns fan, that's probably where you hang out uh, throughout the weekend. If you want to get out a little bit outside of town, go to the Whitewater Center. Typically have live music on uh, Friday nights out there. And you go check that out. Get some good beers. Just hang out outside. Don't know what the weather's going to be like this week. Hopefully it's not ungodly hot, but... I don't know. Charlotte was a big brewery town. Oh, yeah. It's, new it, today. it's a huge brewery town. I, I think there's... Uh, was it Saucy Brew Works? That's like a... Yeah, it's Cleveland. That, yeah, so that's moving down here at some point in time. Like, I'm telling you, wow. all these Ohio businesses, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but they're like, apparently they're moving a lot of Ohio places down here because of so many Ohioans who, of course, live in the area. So, yeah, South End, I mean, Noda's a good neighborhood, Plaza Midwood, those are kind of the, the spots, go to bars, and then... I mean, Uptown Charlotte, kind of like on Tryon Street and 4th Street, that intersection. It's a couple spots, but it's not not mo- too many people really. Like, there's going to be plenty of people out there, but most people hang out in South End nowadays as far as like nightlife goes. So that's where I tell you to go. We're taking notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you have the light rail, which it costs money, but they don't have gates and they don't usually have attendance. And the fine is only $50, which to me is not punitive enough for me to not take that for free. So typically, I would just tell you, hop on the light rail and, and just go through South End. You can even go down to Lower South End. People call it Loso. They got a, a, a huge brewery called Old, Old Mecklenburg down there. Also have a, a brewers at 4001 Yancey is a good spot. Uh, Queen Park Social, uh, protagonist. There, there's a ton of breweries. you got some spots. Yeah, there's just I'm telling you, just stay on the rail trail. Either walk it, hop on the light rail. Hang out in South End, and I think you'll be pretty good to go throughout the entire weekend if you're a Browns fan coming to Charlotte. Just be respectful. Oh, yeah, I, I, actually, <laughs> I, I think Browns fans that travel are actually pretty respectful. I'm not about uh, animals. <laughs> I know. You're not Bills fans. <laughs> Eagles fans, really. They came here, and they were just – Eagles fans had their reputation. Yeah, yeah they were yeah. pretty awful. I, I got one more football question before we uh, let you get back to your regular life. Sure. Um, the the Panthers defense has also been a topic of discussion and debate and obviously going into week one, no one knows what the hell any team is going to look like or do. So this is all kind of just, you know, sure, throwing yeah. stuff at the wall right now. Um, the one person or the, the one matchup that's going to fascinate me is we still don't know if our all, all pro right tackle Jack Conklin is going to be playing for week one. Um, we got, you know, a little bit of depth on our old line, but it's still not all pro depth. Jack Conklin. Um, you guys have a gentleman by the name of Brian Burns, who was a bad boy on the defense there. So him versus our right tackle is going to be fascinating. So from a defensive side, you know, Brian Burns, who are some of the, the other dogs back there? Um, and what do you think an expectation wise for that side of the ball this season? Yeah, as far as the pass rush, that's a key question because Brian Burns, pro bowler last year, he had Hassan Reddick on the other side. And there's not a Hassanic, uh, Hassan, Hassan Reddick on the other side this upcoming season for the Panthers. And really trying to find attention to take up Brian Burns has been one of the questions of who's going to step up. Marquise Haynes is a name. Itor Grossmato, second-round pick out of Penn State back in 2020. He's someone people are looking at. Frankie Louvu, who's starting in that role that Hassan Reddick played in a year ago at that outside linebacker spot. Like Those are a couple guys. It's probably going to be more by-committee approach opposite of Burns and you bring up that matchup, whether Jack Conklin plays or not. Like that's kind of the thought here with Icky Aquano as a left tackle going up against Jadeveon Clowney and Miles Garrett. Like he's a good player, but I mean that's a former defensive player of the year and another guy who went number one overall and was supposed to be what Miles Garrett is in the NFL and Clowney. 
who's going to be back home in his in the, in the Charlotte area where he went to high school in Rock Hill, just across the border here from Charlotte. But mm. overall, defensively, like I think that's going to be a really good unit again this year. Like J.C. Horn didn't get to see much of him last year, but when he was healthy, he was fantastic. Dante Jackson's been a solid player. He's better suited as a number two. Uh, he signed a new deal fifth-year player now. C.J. Henderson, there's been a ton of talk about him stepping yeah. up as a player this upcoming uh, season. He was a top-ten pick out of college. Panthers traded for him last year. Didn't offer too much, but he seemed to have really grown and matured. Jeremy Chin, like that dude's a stud out, out back at safety, and he's going to line up, probably be matched up on Njoku and Harrison Bryant in, in the past game on Saturday or on Sunday afternoon, rather. And he's someone who's had 100 tackles back-to-back years. Only other Panthers players that have done that is John Beeson, and uh, Luke Keekley, who's going to be in Canton one day. So pretty damn good start to his career so far. Linebackers is a question. Shaq Thompson, he's solid. But outside of that, like Luvu, like I mentioned, he's stepping in uh, into a starting role. He was brought here to be a special teams guy. And he made plays in his limited snaps into a defensive role last year where they felt comfortable with him being the starting outside linebacker this year. And in the middle, it's been pretty much an abomination the last two years. Jermaine Carter Jr., just not good enough. To hear Whitehead, god awful. Like since Luke Keekley retired, they've been trying to find it's only been two years, but they've been trying to find someone to stabilize that position. So Damien Wilson had a really good year last year in Jacksonville. So possibly he can be able to stabilize it at least on Sunday and we'll see how it goes the rest of the year. But overall, that should be one of the top units in the league. Like Matt Rules talk about them going from good to great. Like they were t- number two overall in team defense, but they were 30th in red zone defense a year ago, which is just not good enough. And they were 26 in takeaways a year ago. Like they can improve in getting takeaways. And of course, like not giving up a touchdown, basically every time the opponent gets in the red zone, that unit's only going to be better than what it was last year. And they were pretty damn good for the majority of the la- of last season. Stopping the run though. That is a key question because Cleveland, I know, if they're going to mm-hmm. win the game, only chance to have to win that game to me is whether if the Panthers turn it over a ton or if Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Ernest Johnson do whatever the hell they want to do all Sunday long and run down their throats. When the Panthers played top 10 def- running teams last year, they went one and four. So we'll see how play, oh, that, that's, out that's what it is. Yeah. We're not beating you with our passing game. No. I mean, not concerned about that at all. And the, and the receivers no. y'all have uh, Amari Cooper, fine, but everyone else. Like I love Donovan Peoples Jones, like the prospect he could be, but he was never even that guy at Michigan. And I'm Swartz has speed. It's just they don't this cornerback room. I don't think they're too concerned about what you have at wide receiver, but running the ball. That's that's hmm. where you can win the game. Um, One more thing, more of a comment, because you brought up Luke Keekley. We play you guys once every four, eight years. And you remember the last time the Browns and Panthers played together. If I'm remember, I was there. I Johnny Manziel I remember, or something like that. I remember Luke Keekley chasing Mansell all over the place. Yeah. 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 No, it was 2018. Baker led a it was a fourth quarter comeback. Oh, yeah. It was, it was at that yeah. game. Yell won that oh, game. Oh, last time we were at Carolina. Last time you were in Charlotte. Yeah. yeah, I was at that game and people, yeah, the crowd wasn't a fan of Johnny Manziel, and they certainly made a loud cheer after Luke uh, just leveled him, which probably not yeah, yeah. not in great taste, but I mean I think he came out after that too. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, that was It'll be interesting to see what happens because, like, I know that game they lost a couple years ago at Cleveland was certainly a surprising one, but I think it should be a fun game. Excited with the Baker storyline, but there's plenty of storylines outside of that that are intriguing with this matchup on Sunday. It's I'm very excited. I, I think you know, and the storylines are so different between the national headlines, the local headlines, Cleveland, Carolina. Yeah. It's going to be all eyes are going to be watching this game come 1 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, Julian Council. Host of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, sir. Thank you very much for joining us, giving us some insight on the Panthers. Uh, Raleigh, anything left? Uh, 
just a lot of crippling anxiety. For the, <laughs> yeah, it's all goes here. Well, um, hey guys, I hope to see y'all again. We, maybe we can talk again uh, in Arizona when we're both in the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's go. Round two will be in February with us and Julian. Uh, thank you again, sir, very much for Raleigh, for Julian, for myself. This is Dogs of War podcast. Thank you for listening and good night, Cleveland. Nineteen fifty in the cold and rain when my father took me to my very first game. Said the Browns are gonna show you how to. Get-